Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Hello, Seattle. Hello, Peter Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and, well, man, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, so I've got wines from Israel today, and I was trying to make, you know, some cool, I didn't pre-plan it, this is always off the fly. That's what live radio is all about. <laughs> hey, uh, I think we're, we're like in July. I can't remember because my calendars don't work anymore. Um, it's just, it's a COVID calendar. It's like three pages. <laughs> it's pre, during, and after. <laughs> oh, but I'm super excited, as I always am, about learning about wines and, and different producers in different countries and really sharing that with you. I'm, I'm glad that you're here tonight. If you ever miss a show, remember, check out our website, happyhourradio.net. Uh, our Facebook page is Happy Hour Radio, um, and then uh, if you want on the Twitter sphere, it's Happy HR Radio. Uh, I have a gentleman who is the regional sales manager for um, a company that distributes um, well wines from Israel, and this is the Yarden Wine Company, and his name is Bill Henry. He's been in the wine biz quite a while, but he's been with this company for three years, and I bet I'm gonna bet he's been to Israel. Hey, Bill Henry, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Hey. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. All right. First of all, everyone wants to know, do I win the bet? Have you been to Israel? I have been to Israel. Woo-hoo! I have been okay. a, a couple of times. I'm going to double the down now. Just, yeah, so, last time was just uh, in October. Really? Uh, November, yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful place to be, and I highly recommend people visit um, you know, Israel, see Jerusalem, Tel Aviv is one of the, the most wonderful places really? in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. You felt safe Great there? Vacation. Pardon me? Are you, now, you're not a blonde, blue-eyed guy, I'm thinking, are you? No, uh, a dark hair, brown eyes, but I'm <laughs> Italian-Irish Catholic, so, oh, you, you know, go. that's how Sure. Well, you know, yes. Uh, so you felt good. The food's good. What do you eat with your hands? Is that one of those places, or do you have they have silverware? The hotels they serve booze. Uh, booze is a plenty, and you eat with your <laughs> hands. It's just like uh, in in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. It's just like being in you know L.A. or San Francisco, New York. It's it's a big city. Really. Um, even though the entire country of Israel is about the size of Rhode Island. Their major cities are just as um, you know cosmopolitan. As yeah, you go to. Yeah. Well, I I would love to go there, um, but I think I need to have a seder dinner first. I've never had a seder dinner, so if I'm going to go to the homeland of uh, Israel, and and I think I got to get prepared somehow. But uh, let's talk about you, Bill Henry. Um, you're down in California right now in the lovely uh, what is it? The county of Orange is that a town or is that a county? I'm, I'm in the town of Orange in Orange County. Uh, so it's both. <laughs> right. uh, and are there oranges everywhere? I remember going to Valencia in Spain, and there were oranges everywhere. Yeah, there used to be oranges everywhere. Now it's businesses and houses. Um, oh. To give people who have visited Southern California kind of a location, 
when Mickey Mouse does fireworks, I can hear them if my back windows are open. So I'm not far from uh, uh, the, the happiest place the on earth. The happiest place on earth. That just made me smile. So fun. How did you get into wine? Um, well, I'll give you the short version. Um, but I was born in L.A., and therefore I was an actor. Um, and since I was an <laughs> By actor, birth? I <laughs> yeah, it just happens. You're in L.A., you're an actor. Oh, I thought you were a waiter by birth, and then you aspire aspire to be an actor. And then, well, you become a waiter because you're an out-of-work actor. <laughs> so I was a waiter uh, who hated taking direction, so I eventually opened my own restaurant and uh, had to write a wine list and realized, Oh, back in the mid-'80s that I loved wine and have been either buying or selling it since. So I've wow. been selling wine for a little over 20 years now. All right. So um, now were you drinking uh, Mondavi Chardonnay back in 1984 or whatever it was? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mondavi yeah. Fumé Blanc was the That's first right. bottle of wine I opened in a restaurant. I ordered in a restaurant. It was uh, a restaurant that served crepes, uh, and that was the, the first time I ordered wine. Excellent. You had a savory crepe, I hope, <laughs> not the chocolate, yeah. Nutella one. That's cool. And uh, did you work for some big guns out there in dis- distributor land? Did you work for the Constellations and the Southerns? No, never worked for, for the bigger distributors or importers. I've always worked for smaller companies. I worked. Uh, my first job was a company called the Henry Wine Group. No relation to me. just happened to be the same oh, last yeah. name, and they were a small distributor in California. Right. And, uh, They're still around, I think. With them, yeah, yeah. Well, they're Winebow now. Winebow, Wine that's so. right. So, yeah, there, there was. Um, who made Petite Syrah in their portfolio? Very famous company down there. I remember the Henry Wine Group. They had Sagley Winery. Yeah, and also Fapiano. Fapiano, that's what it was. Very good. Yeah, super cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, so you're Italian, Irish, Catholic. So you like uh, cold beer and red wine. Yep, both of those are both of those are true, <laughs> and, and the occasional gin martini here and there. All right, excellent. Let's talk about uh, Yarden Wines. Um, how old is this company? Uh, Yarden is started in the early '80s. Um, first release was an 83 Sauvignon Blanc. A uh, year after that, we had our Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, so we were one of the first wineries in the, in the Golan Heights. Uh, the Golan Heights is a relatively new wine-growing region. If you think of Israel as a whole, even though uh, you know we've grown wine grapes, there's evidence of it over 5,000 years ago. Um, there was a period in time when there uh, couldn't be any grapes grown. <laughs> and when it came back, it was really for sacrament. That was the 14th century, I believe, right? When the Ottoman Empire uh, came up, yeah. Correct, correct. And um, recently, you know, since, like I say, the 80s, the fine wine uh, world has really come to Israel, both in the Golan Heights and down by Jerusalem. Um, so really, we're like where maybe Napa was in the 50s, 60s. That's kind of our evolution. Uh, right now as far as really? wineries in, in the okay. Golan Heights. Yeah, still pretty young industry. How many wineries do you, you think know, are there in Golan Heights? In Golan Heights, there's about 30 wineries. Right. In in all of Israel, there's over 300. Oh. Of the 300, about 100 are commercial wineries that would actually export wines to other countries. All right. Now, is there a winery that claims to be the winery that had Jesus' wine? <laughs> 
no one will will take it. There is a wine named yeah, from Burgundy though named after. Ah, uh, uh, that's true. Yes, uh, the uh, Enfant Jesus, Enfant Enfant Jesus. Right. That's right. Uh, by Bouchard Perifis, which is a bone yeah. wine, yeah. a Premier Cru. Very good. Uh, that's interesting. I would think that somebody might want to jump on that, but of course you've got all such a religious diversity there. Maybe it's not the best thing. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, let's let's. It is. Let's talk about Israel. Um, population of what, thirty-five million? Yeah, about. That's cool. And there are what four different? Uh, so there's the Golan Heights, there's Galilee, and there's uh, two more sites, two more uh, regions, right? There's four regions all day. Jer- yeah, uh, the Jerusalem Hills. Jerusalem Hills. Uh, there we go. Is another, and and the the Galilee and the. Goan are similar. Um, they don't have the equivalence of what we call an AVA right. in the U.S., but the Goan is a sub-region in Galilee, so they are, they okay. are somewhat connected. Yeah. We actually have a winery in both. We have Galil Mountain Winery in Galilee and then the Goan Heights Winery, which produces the Yarden wine in uh, in the Goan Heights. All right, so Israel has been making wine for really three centuries, right? Or, wait, 3,000 years. 5,000. 5,000. <laughs> you see my yeah, three so and I, I raise you two. Makes sense. The oldest new world is what we say. <laughs> it's so, the oldest new world. I like that. This is so fun to actually have a chance to really uh, investigate, discover these these older original wine regions, of course, like uh, Israel and Georgia and Croatia and things like that, um, which makes my job really fun. And I've got uh, some of the Yarden wines. So Yarden... You know, you work for the winery or you work for the distributor. Help me understand that. So there's a company called Yard and Wine Imports, which is owned by the Golan Heights Winery. And I work for Golan, uh, for Yard and Imports. So we actually import our own wine and I work for the importer. Uh, so in, say, California, we work with a distributor named uh, Wine Warehouse. In Washington State, we're with a distributor uh, called Unique uh, Wine Company. Yeah, So I'm, so I am the supplier side of it, or the grower side. Fantastic, as well. excellent. Well, it's it's a pleasure to uh, um, to learn to dive into some of these Israeli wines. Uh, how many different varieties are grown in Israel? Oh, in Israel as a whole, there's over fifty. At the Golan Heights Winery, we have twenty-two. Now, as what would be an indigenous grape? Um, the Judas grape is that one? <laughs> I only know Roman um, Roman Catholic stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, the uh, indigenous grapes are actually names I can't say because they're very heavy uh, ethnic, um, and there's really not a lot of commercial success in Israel today with the uh, original varietals. There's some young winemakers trying to give them a comeback down in the Jerusalem Hills area, but so far nothing really successfully has been done, you know, on a commercial level. Um, for the indigenous grapes, we really have to look more towards Lebanon. Right. Uh, classic producers like um, Chateau Moussar. Moussar. Uh, would be one of the leaders in, in the that. Uh, sure, Lebanese wines, yep. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, what's the terroir like? Are we talking elevation? Are we talking sea level in Israel? Are we talking limestone? Are we talking sandy? Uh, and and what what's the... What's the terroir, the, the, the earth, look like? Well, the terroir is really what makes the Golan Heights a, a truly unique wine-growing region in the world. You know, everyone wants something 
different, and every guy like me will tell you his winery or his area is different and special. But there's actually uh, demonstrative ways we can show that the Golan Heights is truly a, a special, one-of-a-kind place. Uh, first, it's the soil. It is all volcanic soil. Hmm. Um, so most of the great wine in the world comes from pro- volcanic soil, but right. only about 2% of plantings are volcanic. So that's in it of itself rare. And then you have the mountain range. And the Golan Heights goes where we have grapes planted. We go from 1,000 feet above sea level to uh, roughly 4,000 feet above sea level. Wow. So temperature-wise, that is the same temperature difference from San Jose, California to Eugene, Oregon. (laughs) Or another way to think about it is the entire temperature range of the length of France. And if you think of all the different you know, sure. microclimates and climates wow. in France, you have those in just one mountain range in the Golan. Oh, boy, that's um, right. So the cold truly, North North Atlantic winds to the uh, the sultry s- southern Mediterranean wisps yeah. of, of warm air. Um, that's interesting. And so the soil itself is what? Uh, it's volcanic with a little bit of limestone and clay. And okay. Some areas have some sand. Now, is, is, is it some poor soil is what you're saying, right? Because that's volcanic is. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, that's, that's pretty wild. So Washington and State. Drains from- yeah, it's, it's very similar. So is what's the mountain there? What's the old volcano? Uh, it's uh, Hermon is the, the har- largest uh, mountain and also the namesake of one of uh, the brands that we create is called Hermon Mountain or Mount Hermon. Interesting. Um, that's actually where we have our ski resort. Believe it or not, people do come to Israel every year and ski. Wow. Um, we don't think about that in the United States. No, but, we don't. All we yeah. see is sand and sun, and everyone's like, you know, upset about something. <laughs> that's yeah. the media. Yeah, we, we get snow. We literally get snow every year. And here's another unique part of. All right, hold that thought. We're gonna actually we're just gonna go to break here, and I, I want to be okay. sure that. Um, hey, folks, we got three wines to taste with my pal Bill Henry, uh, regional sales manager for Yard Wines. Um, I've got a Chardonnay, a Cabernet Merlot, and a Cabernet Sauvignon. So stick around, folks. Be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, talk radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round two. And I've got my pal Bill Henry, who is uh, Regional Sales Manager for Yard and Wines of Israel. Uh, He's based down in California. I'm here, of course, in the palatial studios of downtown Seattle. We've got three wines, but um, before we get to these wines, tell me more about the terroir and, and the position of where Israel is. It seems like it would be too hot to grow wines. And and that's what people think, and that is, you know, my role in life is to get people to understand we are a very <laughs> a, a Mediterranean climate, uh, similar to Napa, Sonoma, Washington State. Um, one of the key things is if you look at where we are uh, as a latitude, we're on the 33rd parallel. Most things you read about fine wine would say you have to be 35 up to maybe 45 or 50. So there, 
by the book, it's too warm to grow grapes where we are. The reason we can make world-class wine is because of that elevation we spoke about earlier. The elevation is much more important than the actual latitude. That's what creates the temperature difference. So when you combine the 33rd parallel, the volcanic soil, the uh, elevations, the fact we get no rain at all during uh, growing season um, and snow every year, it truly is a wine growing region like none other in the in the world. Very interesting. Now, uh, it, do you irrigate? Is there irrigation allowed, or are there just deep wells of that snowmelt coming down, or, or what's the story um, with the water? We are built to drip irrigate. We have used it maybe twice in 20 plus years so it's there in an emergency situation but we don't generally um, irrigate and if we do drip irrigate if we're having it go down at least a meter uh, because the water is uh, you know doesn't go down a meter then the vines don't go down and you don't really get the expression of the terroir on the fruit so all it when we do um water it is deep down in in the soil and actually a funny thing about drip irrigation it was actually discovered in israel really yes i mean who discovered it was like for growing apples oh it's one of the major crops and so drip irrigation came into play uh by the apple farmers Wow. Interesting. Of course, apple farming here in Washington State was uh, has been on for 100-plus years, but uh, how long has apple has been grown in, uh, well, Israel, Galilee, or Golan? We have, again, a history of over 5,000 years. Wow! So maybe apples came from Israel. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet against it. <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah, I learned today. I learned on a show recently. Do you know where the word pizza came from? I don't. Pita from Greece. They said that pizza is really pita. Pizza. pizza. I was asking about what's the difference between Greek pizza. <laughs> the answer was so fun. All right. Um, interesting. So wait, Chris. Before we go on, I have to tell you something that I wanted to tell you before and I forgot. Okay. I do have a little bit of family history in Seattle. Yes. If you go down to um, uh, uh, Henry's Off Broadway, Henry's Off Broadway. <laughs> no. So no, no. There's a statue of Captain Denny, and Captain Denny is my great, 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 I think great grandfather. Where's Where's Captain Denny? I've never seen a statue of Captain Denny. That's by uh, Spuds Fish and Chips. Really? And there's a, and there's a Denny Way that where the space. Oh, I know Denny Way. In fact, um, I'm trying to think. I was at the Rainier Club forever, and uh, the the guy, oh, shit, Mister Denny, he was the he was the grandson. He was the grandson of. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a distant relative of theirs. Very yeah. cool. Well, you know, there's all sorts of history there. The uh, was it Ursa? Ursa? I can't remember now. Well, um, I'm thinking, what's her name? I was the Ursa Major. No, that's a constellation. She has a school, Asa Mercer. That's her name, Miss uh, Mercer, of course, and the the Denny party, uh, which was I live in West Seattle, so I live right above Alki, and I went to Spuds just the other really? day. So I didn't see the statue though. I'll have to ask. I mean, the Statue of Liberty's down there, but I don't see. I've never seen it. I lived in West Seattle since 1972, so. Um, we'll have to find it though, so maybe it's missing. I think there could be a, a caper here. Let's talk about some wine. What do you say? All right, 
Let's do it. So Galley's got three, or sorry, I always say Galley. Um, Israel has 300 indi- indigenous wine, no, 50 indigenous grapes. No, 50 grapes overall. Right. All right. The first one yeah, I've got here is Chardonnay. How long has Chardonnay been grown there? Pardon me? How long has Chardonnay been grown in Israel? We planted the first Chardonnay in Golan Heights in 87. Mm. All right. Uh, and now, the, the funny thing is, when we think of Chardonnay, we think about the Wenty clone or the Dijon clone. Do you have an idea? I don't. I don't know which, which clone it is. Um, I know that all of our cuttings came from Europe, um, and one of the things that we've done is developed our own vineyard nursery because we had a leaf roll issue yeah. in all of Israel. Oh, wow. So we went to Intop and had a certified uh, plant material, so all... All the plant material we work with is certified pest-free, disease-free from uh, Intav in uh, France. Oh, that's good, because last time I heard that, it was called AXR1 or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm tasting this Chardonnay. It's 2017. It's from Galilee. Um, now, the Golan Heights, are, the Galilee is the larger region. Golan Heights are a, a specific smaller sub-AVA or sub-appellation or sub-region of the larger Galilee, right? Correct. So Chardonnay, now, uh, is this grown, is this hand-harvested? Is this Chardonnay grown in drip irrigation? Is it, is it um, you know, limestone soils? Do they pick the right place for Chardonnay? It tastes pretty good. It's, you've got leaves contact, a little bit of oak. Yep, it's about 40% uh, barrel fermented. Um, of that, about 20% is new oak. It is in our cooler areas. We, you know, the Chardonnay is going to be... 3,000 feet roughly above sea level, maybe as low as 2,700, but really at that 3,000 plateau. So it's our some of our cooler sites. Um, it is all hand harvested. We do make some less expensive tiers. Uh, Hermone, which I mentioned, that might be machine harvested. But anything that we believe that's going into a yard and wine is hand sorted, hand harvested. Um, and then we also have uh, we're one of the few wineries in Israel that actually have an optical laser sorter. So wow. anything that says yard, and that grape has been tested by the finest machinery in the world. Lasers. The color of the skin, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I was going to ask how modern is the winemaking equipment, but you've got lasers there. Uh, yeah. Sounds pretty modern. And how, how many people work with the yard and wines? How many people are there uh, in processing and, and production and harvest all? Day in and day out at the winery, we have about 75 employees. Wow. And how many? what's total production? Yeah. Uh, total production is uh, 500,000 cases. Okay. And now, who's your biggest um, uh, trade market? Oh, uh, in the U.S.? Well, or just uh, nas- Israel internationally. Israel yeah, Israel would be number one. Okay. And the U.S. is number two. And in the U.S., 70% of our business is uh, New York, New Jersey. Oh, there you go. That makes sense, of course. Uh, so it's kosher. Um, Victor Schoenfeld is the winemaker. He makes all these wines? He is in charge of the winemaking team. Uh-huh. He has six uh, winemakers that work on his team. Um, and the way Victor divides it is everyone will have their wines that they are uh, responsible to create. And then as a team, they taste them and oh, cool. decide on the final blend. Victor having the final say. That's nice. Victor, it, it says on his, you know, uh, his title's winemaker, but it is really closer to the French term vigneron, where he is really from the ground up, um, taking care of everything in the vineyard, 
um, how we're planning, what we're planning, the nursery, into the winemaking. Um, it, it's really much more than just winemaking. It really is his wine from the beginning. Very cool. And are the wine assistant winemakers a diverse group of international wine people or fans or enthusiasts? We have uh, a couple from Australia, a couple from Israel. Um, All of them have either got their degree at UC Davis or there is an enology school in Israel. Really? Um, So, yeah, pretty diverse group. Interesting. And you said there's 300 wineries in Israel? Yeah, a little over. And uh, how many, so is wine sold through like a a grocery store in Israel or is it a wine shop specialty or do you have to go to an alley or what? Yeah, yeah, it's all back out. Clandestine. No, it's it's like here, but there isn't a a three-tier system. So the Yarden, the Golan Heights Winery sells their wine directly to the grocery store or to the restaurant. There's not that third party in between fantastic so i've got the chardonnay 2017 it's uh it's got nice moderate plus acidity it's it's ripe it has great lease contact it's starting to to show some of 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 its development here uh i've got some baked apples some lemon uh and also some um uh, yeasty notes here uh what's the price of this galley yard in galley chardonnay 2017 from the golan heights winery suggested retail for that wine is 25.99 that's pretty cool to think that because it's again this is this is probably small production right this is probably 500 600 cases uh, no, Chardonnay is going to be closer to 3,000. There we go. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because everyone loves Chardonnay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really a special wine. Um, and it's it's fun to actually taste Chardonnay from everywhere because it's one grape we can all sort of understand. We've all had a Chardonnay, whether it's California or France or, of course, we go Australia and all the other places that grow Chardonnay. In fact, China is growing lots of Chardonnay, but we'll talk about it another day. Speaking with Bill Henry, the uh, regional wine manager for Yarden Wines of Israel. Be right back here on Happy Hour Radio. Putting America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Well, hi, Seattle. Welcome back. Time for our third segment. I've got three bottles of wine and one I've tasted, which is the Yarden Galilee Chardonnay 2017 from Golden Heights Winery. And I've got Bill Henry, the regional manager for Yarden Wines of Israel. Bill, the next red wine is uh, says Gilgal. Not Gigal, Gilgal. Gilgal. Yeah, the, the, the Gilgal is actually a fascinating uh, structure. It's a, a 40,000 uh, rock uh, put in a circular fashion. Uh, one circle within another, and it was built some 5,000 years ago, and no one really knows who built it uh, or why it was built. It's mentioned 22 times in the Old Testament, not as a religious or holy place, just as a a geographic location. Um, So that's what this wine is, a series of wines is named after, the Gilgal. And for us at the Golan Heights Winery, Gilgal is our kind of um, middle of the, the, the road, it's not as oaked uh, as the Yarden tier, not as full-bodied, not as rich, 
less expensive, um, but it still does get some oak treatment. It is still all hand harvested, hand sorted, and goes through the optical uh, laser sorter. Um, the one that you you have the Cab Merlot, correct? I have the Cab Merlot 2017. Yeah. So when they make the wine, they keep the Cabernet and the Merlot lot separately. So there might be as many as 75 or 80 mm. lots of each. And then they'll blend them together. And when they make the Cabernet Merlot for the Gilgal tier, they want the, the most fruit-driven wine that we can produce in any given vintage. And then we'll bottle a separate Cabernet Sauvignon and a separate Merlot. And those have a little bit more structure, a little bit more ability to age. But the, the Cabernet is the one that we want people drinking right when it comes out. Enjoy it. Um, you know, it's still got depth of flavor, but it's ready to drink when we release it. I'm taking some sips. It's certainly a very friendly wine. Uh, I have to admit, this has really concentrated fruit. Pretty surprising for a Cab Merlot, which you know typically are the easy drinking, you know, um, you know, fill the donut hole kind of thing. With uh, you got the tannin, but you've got the nice plummy fruit here. This is is softer, but it has a little bit of a firm edge. Uh, it, the tannin is is relaxed, um, but again, that concentration of fruit is really in- inviting. It it uh, it slows me down. It says, "Hey, this is a serious wine." What's the price for the Gigal Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot 2017? Twenty dollars. That's cool. I think it's a fun wine because you right now, and it's still new. I mean, I just opened it. Um, the tannin is, again, soft, kind of relaxed. But here, I think it's it's worthy of food, but you can still enjoy it by the glass. Right, right. It does both well. And one of the things that you mentioned that is it's like a hallmark of wines from the Golan Heights, um, and I didn't want to mention it. I was hoping you would. And when you picked it up, tasting the wines is that intensity of the fruit that goes back to that parallel at 33 degrees, because we are actually closer to the equator. We get a more intense sunlight than any other growing region in the world, really. And that gives you that that intensity of fruit, that um, that kind of mouth. Uh, weight, if you would. Yes, it's delicious, uh, and it's a great deal. I, you know, I think you know when you think about pricing, we have there has to be a little level of respect for for what takes place in wineries. I think with these the large companies that can produce millions of cases, skews at, at low prices, two buck chuck for say, you know that may be a nice experience, but it doesn't necessarily show the respect for for what is being done there in the vineyard, and the wines, and in the winemaking, the people who sustain it. Uh, I, I enjoy the fact that I can taste a wine that has a lot of history, of course, thousands of years of history, uh, but it's very new, and yet with just an, a hint of old world in there. You said it was what? You're the newest old world place or the oldest new world place? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the newest old world location. So, we, I mean, we are new world in our winemaking techniques, our varietals, but, you know, we have a history of over 5,000 years. Yeah. So, and, and we like to say we're kind of right in between. We've got you get some new world, and you get a little hint of kind of you know the the old old uh, world winemaking as well. Right, it gives just a just a touch of rusticity, which I think gives a complexity. Uh, I'm really digging this wine, and I think the, the 2017 vintage. Um, I think it's showing beautifully right now. It could last another two years in the bottle if you had a nice place, but to me, this is why you want to drink the wine. Let drink it a day early and, and wonder versus drink it a day late and wonder. <laughs> Yeah. All yeah, right. Exactly. You have a logo on the Yarden Wines. Um, this is a, it looks like a genie bottle or it's a sauce pour. I'm not sure what it is. This is yeah, a, it, 
It is an oil lamp. Oil lamp, that's what it is. The oil lamp, uh, in the Jewish tradition, the oil lamp is very significant because it was the only light um, that the Israelis had for, uh, you know, their trip through the desert. Yes. So it's a very important um, symbol in Israeli culture. Well, um, speaking of the the culture here, we have a Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm curious, is this 100% Cabernet Sauvignon? You have the Yard and Cabernet. The Yard and Cabernet from Galilee, Golan Heights Winery, 2016. Yep. The text sheet says 100% Cabernet Sauvignon. Cool. All right. Well, I put it to my nose. Mmm. Mmm. I'm like, I'm struggling to, to place where this wine might be, 100% Cab, right? It's there again, you got that old world richness of fruit. But there's certainly been a new world richness of fruit, but an old world bit of uh, rusticity in the wine. I haven't tasted it yet, but let's talk about this. How old are the vines? Uh, these vines were, some of these wines were the first we planted, so they would be from 82, 83. Um, we did replant a lot when we uh, started our own nursery. So many of the vines that are in there, I'd say at least 50% are. 10 years old. Okay. But when we replanted, we of course had better material to plant and we made sure we got everything in the exact right place. So our younger vines are actually giving us better fruit than our older vines. <laughs> um, just because of what we've learned from when we first planted uh, in the Golan. Um, the wine that you have is 18 months in oak mm. and about 40% is new and it's all French oak. Yum. Um, larger barrel? Uh, no, I'll bury. Mm-hmm. I'll six. Yeah. Because the, the, the wood, the oak treatment here is, is uh, I guess, definitely it's touched. Um, just that, just a little bit of spritz on that, that oak toffee uh, caramel almond flavor, which I, I really dig. This is a very polished wine. This is delicious. This is this is classy. Thank you. Um, I, I can see it even on the table, right? This is saying, hey, we are Yarden. I mean, we're not putting Cabernet Sauvignon real big. You're you're proud of your heritage. You're proud of the galley because it's right there in the middle. Uh, but Cabernet Sauvignon, right. this is a wine that people would blow people away. Uh, this is 40 bucks. On the high side, yeah. It's, it's, we say 35 is All suggested. Right. See, good. Look at me. <laughs> Stuck and, in my uh, little cubicle. I have a... Yeah. I have a friend of mine who's a master psalm who just did a, a virtual master class for us with these wines and he said if this wine said napa valley on it it would be 95 dollars for sure yeah absolutely um and you didn't have to work as hard to, <laughs> they, they do uh super cool how many wines does the uh, golan heights winery produce then uh we have about 90 skews what um half of those come to the u.s the rest is just sold in Israel. But we have we have five uh, pricing tiers, and we have three brands that we actually bring over to the U.S. We have the Hermon, which is our unoaked uh, brand, then the Gilgal, which is that mid-tier, and then the Yarden, which is the, the higher end. Got but, it. yeah, we, we make a lot of wine. Well, um, you're doing something right. Uh, you know, I have a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc here, but I, I, I wanted to save it for later just selfishly. We have three wines here. 
the Chardonnay, the 2017 Chardonnay, the 2017 Cab Merlot, um, soft and delicious. And again, this Cabernet Sauvignon is really a wine to, to sort of dig in on because uh, just to go back to the history, the place, we think about Burgundy and Bordeaux as being the, the most vault, vaunted places, the, the, the places that we want to be romantic about wine. And yet, this is just as romantic and yet more affordable <laughs> and really delicious as well. Uh, Bill, this is so fun. Again, the wine, uh, the website is? Uh, yardenwines.com. Yardenwines.com. And um, now you, we have distribution here. Are there Greek restaurants? I'm sorry, Greek. Uh, restaurants here that we can find your wine that you're familiar with in Seattle area? Um, there, there are a handful of, of restaurants um, and then some of the, so there's some retail. I mean, you, we, you know, you can, you can find the wine there. I know that, you know, uh, the guys at unique, so they could probably sure. help a little bit. Yeah. More unique Esquin. And I bet you this, I bet you Canlis has this wine. I'm pretty sure they do. Because this is one of those do. things yeah. that, you know what, they have to have it. Um, hey, this has been really fun for me. I appreciate your time. And, Bill Henry, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Be well. We'll see you uh, when you come up to Seattle. Hey, folks, stick around. i got a few more thoughts to share with you right here on Happy Hour Radio. Turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show. Live and local. Weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. And you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for our fourth and final segment. And as a small yay, I'm always interested in pairing something for everybody. I mean, uh, you know, back then it was a Shirley Temple or perhaps a Bloody Mary virgin or a, you know, virgin margarita. But these days, some very uh, smart, uh, savvy entrepreneurs are creating some fantastic non-alcoholic or low-alcohol uh, beverages. And I have the pleasure of having my pal, uh, Philip Brandis, who is the owner founder of Bravest Brewing or Bravest Brewing in uh, Costa Mesa, California. They got a couple new outlets down there. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked with him and tasted, the, tasted their non alcoholic cerveza and the non alcoholic amber ale, which are freaking outstanding, really delicious. Um, and I think it's going to blow away pretty much the entire category. Uh, hey, Philip, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Hey, great to be back. All right, pal. I got two beers here, oatmeal stout and IPA. Which one should I try? Let's hit the stout. Okay, go on to the stout. Tell me about this one. Yeah, so this is our uh, uh, silver, medal, sorry, silver medal winner at GABF uh, last year. Uh, very excited about that. Uh, we won uh, silver for that and actually a bronze for We do a barrel-aged version of all things. I know. Wow. Super uh, ironic, right? Uh, barrel-aged, non-alcoholic <laughs> beer, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, that's our second uh, style that uh, that we produced uh, back in the day, oh. and uh, I love that beer. Uh, caramel, smoke, mm. roast, coffee, chocolate, everything mm. you want in a, in a good oatmeal stout. Um, always about that balance too. But uh, you're talking about pairing uh, pairs well with a lot of good barbecue, and actually does well as a uh, marinade for barbecues. So oh, interesting. Well, I'm taking some yep. sips here. Uh, again, it looks uh, it's nice and dark. Very fine bead, very fine mousse, very small bubbles. And, of course, the adjunct of oatmeal gives you some different proteins, which create a creaminess. Is that right? 
That's true. That's true. Uh, a lot of people ask us, how come it doesn't taste like oatmeal? But that's, uh, you know, not, not the reason for, that we put it in. I don't know. Just Try to get a little, kind of little body there, you know, if we can. Uh, so, yeah. I would say describe the taste of oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Brown sugar, maple <laughs> yeah, exactly. syrup, uh, yeah, and exactly. uh, uh, Kugel. Um, this yeah. is really fantastic, really delicious. Uh, so do you actually, are you roasting malt or are you um, purchasing uh pre-malted uh, syrups and things like that? I mean, I know it's a bigger production, so you would probably try to save some steps in time. Yeah, no, yeah, pre-malted all grain, uh, you know, get them from the big uh, malt houses. Right. So no adjuncts in that, in that beer, so uh, just straight up malt. And when so. it comes to water, I know that uh, obviously when you're brewing beer, first of all, you make what's something called the wort, and that's basically where you're... Uh, 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 what is it? Amyl- getting the sugars to be fermentable because you've already yep. you're seeping, getting the sugars into the liquid so that it can ferment after the splarge of the grains. Now um, you use uh, what hops go into this oatmeal stuff because it's very smooth and I don't get a lot of uh, real hoppy bitterness. Yeah, so we go for a pretty clean uh, English bittering hop called Fuggles. Uh, U- Fuggles. Fuggles. Yeah, yeah, video yeah, kill the regular yeah, star. I love that. I love that hop. It was like my first homebrew I ever made was was with Fuggles, and I've just I don't know I've had a, a uh, fondness for it ever since. Just super clean. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's there, but not there. You know. Okay. Well, let's talk about some real hops then. Uh, of course, uh, I'm I'm uh, half Asian, so I can't jump. But uh, I know that uh, when it comes to hops, all I got is the ones in this can. IPA, non-alcoholic. What's up? Yeah. So uh, uh, the first, uh, one of the first. Yeah. So one of the first. Uh, Besides the stout, uh, homebrew was a Pliny the Elder clone, right? Uh, Everyone's sort of first homebrew, right? The, the epitome of, of a West Coast uh, IPA. Uh, so this is kind of my uh, mm. homage to that. Uh, so pretty similar malt bill using uh, Columbus and Simcoe and a little Amarillo, um, Centennial, uh, you know, Simcoe. Uh, so the classics there, um, you know, my white whale, really. Uh, it's always tough to make a good IPA and, um, you know, been chasing it, but I think we finally got to it. Um, you know, um, pretty good traditional West coast, uh, IPA. So good balance there too. Um, so I love that beer. Our best seller, half of our business, by the way. Oh, I bet. Well, it's something that, um, people can relate to because it looks like a beer, right? All these actually look like beers. It's not something like, cause it doesn't look like Budweiser. I mean, and I tell you, I remember, uh, Budweiser. I never drank Budweiser. I never liked it. It was too sweet, and I never liked Bud Light. And I just gravitated toward to beers that um, were clean but had some some character and personality. Now this IPA, um, it has a little bit of a cloudy haze, which is super cool because I think people like that protein haze. And you don't do a filter anything, then do you? No, totally unfiltered. And that haze is actually because of the dry hop. Uh, you know, it's something we can't really avoid. But of course, uh, you know, the more hops, the better. Aroma so, hops. Eh, you're yeah. Right. Right, exactly, so bittering yeah. is the boil, and Roma are the dry hops. Uh, Philip Brandis with Bravis Brewing. Uh, these are available at Total Wine and More here in Seattle. Uh, you've got six different versions, of course, the Cerveza Amber Ale, the IPA Oatmeal Stout, and um, in a couple weeks or so, or next week, we'll be talking about the uh, White Ale and the Raspberry Goes. Hey, man, what's the uh, website again? www.bravis.com. Fantastic. Philip Brandis with Bravis Brewing in uh, Costa Mesa, California. Hey, I appreciate you joining me once again on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks, Chris. Cool, man. Hey, folks, hope you enjoyed it. you got to really check out these beers because uh, he's got a flavor for every season, um, every reason, any time of day. I can't wait to try this Raspberry Goes. It might be a good brunch beer, but uh, we'll let you know. And remember, when you're out and about, because you are out and about, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!